Hey, Nikki. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I waved. Hey, Selena. Um, and hello, everyone, and welcome to Sweet Tea and TV. That's hey, it. y'all. <laughs> <laughs> We're just so awkward. Hey, guys. Let's chat. What are we going to chat about this week, Selena? Well, you know, we're on that Proust survey. Still on the Proust. Uh, it's, they, it was him. He had a lot of questions. <laughs> these must have been... Th- these are rich people things, right? They're sitting around these dinner parties, and they've got 85 questions for each other. Well, you, you framed it as a parlor game when we first started talking, mm-hmm. and I imagine only rich people have parlors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, that may, do that with that what you will. Well, I'm not that rich, and I have a parlor. <laughs> I've never seen this parlor. Oh, where is this parlor? <laughs> Lies. Um, so, we'll go with the very first question here. Go ahead and ease our way in. Okay. It'll be super easy. What do you regard as the lowest depth of misery? <laughs> Why did that question escalate so quickly? <laughs> I'm going with the worst one first. What do you regard as? Misery. The worst depth of misery. What What do you regard as the worst depth of misery, Selena? I don't even have to think about it. Oh, it's so fast. Mondays. Mondays. <laughs> That's true. Oh, the Sunday scaries are bad for so, me. They've gotten bad. For a long time, they weren't. And for some reason lately, they've definitely gotten bad. What time do they hit? <laughs> I roll out of bed about 6 a.m. on Sunday. so That's when it gets scary? <laughs> I was going to say actually on Saturday. <laughs> oh boy. Somebody. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Uh, lowest depths of misery. I feel like uh, it's, it honestly has to either be sitting in traffic, like Ugh. stopped traffic, mm-hmm. or possibly like waiting for an overdue appointment. Overdue is not the right word, but like you show up at nine, your appointment's at 9.15. It is now 10 a.m. and you have not seen the doctor. In the waiting room. That drives me crazy. I think we're doing okay. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. Definitely. <laughs> My life's not that bad. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I ran into someone today that was doing an interaction with them and had to give him my credit card. There was a, like a snafu and they had to run my credit card a second time. And he's like, I am so sorry for this inconvenience. And I was like, if this is the most inconvenient thing to happen to me today, I think I'm doing fine. I'm doing just fine. Mm, yeah. I double checked. It wasn't a double charge on my credit card. So I'm oh, really good. fine. I'm really fine. <laughs> good, 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 good. Um, I, I, I will give an honest answer that I think one of the things that really w- is very like where I can't stop thinking about it is if I'm in a fight with someone who is like in my most inner circles. Mm. So like if it, or something is wrong between us, like mm-hmm. that is that's a, one of the most miserable situations for me. And the top of that goes to Casey. Because mm, when we're not right, it feels, well, we live together. So, like, it feels like everything else is, like, spirally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like to address things. I want it to just be sure. done. Um, but you have to recognize that not everybody's like you. And you got to give whoever is pissed at you, <laughs> like, the time that they need space. to do the things. But, yeah. So. Yeah, see, I, I could go real deep and say, like, in all seriousness, like, being in a situation that you can't do anything about, um, and I'm thinking specifically about some very close family situations I've had over the years where something traumatic happens, mm-hmm. and there's literally nothing you can do to ease the pain. Right. And if you're a person who is fixer-oriented, and you honestly just care about someone, that really is misery. That's what that feels like, that mm-hmm. just like constant pit in the bottom of your stomach that 
there's nothing you can do. Sure. Well, and I think in addition to just that it being terrible, absolutely. Um, any of us who have faced traumatic situations, and I don't think most of us have gotten out of it. You mm-hmm. know, life sometimes feels like a trauma. Um, I think <laughs> positive, isn't it? <laughs> um, but I was going to say, I think one of the things that I, I hear you saying that really um, both resonates, but also is that the core of that is if you are this type of person and it keeps you from being who you are. Mm-hmm. So like I'm in where you feel like your essential self is somehow not being able to shine through. Mm. So that's deep. Selena. On to something lighter. Is it though? Uh, well, the second question, I don't know. What is your favorite occupation? Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm struggling with this one. I don't know what to do with that. Uh, okay, because I told you that I really try not to look at these, but when I pulled up my notes um, before you came over, I, I that one was so weird that it caught me off guard. Like, mine? Or, like, occupations in the oh, world? Oh, yeah. I didn't even interpret it. It's, like, personal. Because if we're going to take it two ways, then I've got some answers. Okay. All right. So, if we're talking about favorite occupation, it's not like I've had 70,000 occupations. Right. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I really enjoyed my time as a doctor. That said, if we're talking about occupations in the world, I'm saying trauma surgeon, because if something bad happens, I want to know that that's my favorite occupation because I can make sure oh, that sure. I'm okay. Sure. Or, That's smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe it's not like uh, the most frivolous or fun thing, but oh. it's getting, you know, pragmatic. Sure. Saying. My favorite occupation for me. <laughs> I don't have one answer. You have multiple answers to multiple questions. <laughs> well, it's stalling for time, isn't it? <laughs> Lady of leisure. Oh, sure. That's my kind of LOL. Yeah, that sounds lovely. That's what I want to be. That sounds lovely. Oh, I, I don't even know if I have a good answer for this. What's a stupid favorite question? occupation? My mind when you asked the question, my mind went to a barista. I appreciate um, the quickness with which they work, the like myriad complicated recipes they're able to do, and baristas are also really snarky. Like on social media, when you see like those um, posts about like annoying customers or whatever, baristas have simultaneously the worst stories and also the most hilarious reactions to the ridiculous requests people have. So that's what came to mind initially. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of cool stuff. Like someone who gets to work outside all day, that's a pretty cool job. It's manually challenging, but they get the sunlight all day. That's pretty cool. Uh, that's nice pediatrician takes care of your kids veterinarian gets to touch soft things all day that's pretty cool mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i don't know i got lots of answers well, I'm, I'm, for somebody who's like i, I just I don't even know a baker these are good oh they yeah. get to bake delicious things i well and a lot of people like uh and i'm i was th- i would have thought this even before the pandemic but like uh they don't even necessarily eat it they just bake right because that's like stress relieving for them so being the friend of a baker is an even better occupation that would be my chosen profession sounds not so bad i can only be the friend of a baker (laughs) (laughs) definitely not baking Uh, do you do you have additional interpretations of the question you want to share those are my two widest ones but i like i liked your interpretation because it was just sort of like putting yourself in someone else's shoes one thing you'll notice about my answers as we go through this season is I always tend to make it about myself. 
what the point I of was introspection. Doing that and that you weren't. Oh, interesting. See, and now I'm making it about me again. <laughs> Get up. <laughs> Where's your beautiful transition? Speaking of making it all about you. Ooh. In this episode, we meet someone who is a master emotional manipulator and makes it all about him. Sounds like we may have been seeing things the same way. So this week we have Howard the Dates. Um, the women end up as a group date when they feel sorry for former for a former acquaintance who shows up dateless for his high school reunion. That's the Hulu episode description. Um, IMDb says Howard. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> Howard Earp Head, a socially inept, nosebleed prone man, the ladies met on a singles cruise, returns to beg Mary Jo to be his date for his fifteenth high school reunion. And this one aired on December 14th, 1987. Yeah. So how do you feel about those descriptions? Well, the first one is not as good. I think the second one's better. I think it's mean to call someone socially inept. Mm -hmm. But but we'll talk about it. You be the judge. (laughs) But mostly I'm okay with it. I think for the first one, it just sort of sounds like, he showed up there dateless, and then the women just appeared. <laughs> There's a little more to it than that, huh? <laughs> sort of. So this one was written by LBT, and it was directed by Harry Thomason. So I feel like we're, like, dancing around some general reactions. Why don't you dance right into the general reaction? So let's go ahead and talk about Howard. Let's talk about him. Howard Earp. Came off a little creepy. Creepy. For me. Huh. Oh, so you didn't you didn't get a creepy vibe. I got a desperate vibe. Well, which sometimes can be related. So I, he has one line where he says, I always call for a payphone so that they don't try and leave before I oh, get sure. there. <laughs> I know what he means and that that's supposed to be funny, but if you just change the music a little bit mm. and you darken the set, it would be a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Michael Myers. Or <laughs> Howard Head. <laughs> right. Double letter, double letter. I'm telling you what. The frenetic energy, that doesn't make him creepy, but these are just the things I kind of like notated about him. Uh, I don't care about the chronic nosebleeds. I mean, I care because that's sad. I hate that that's happening. What I care about is the chronic oversharing. (laughs) That really bothers me. As someone who hails... And chronic overshares. <laughs> it's not my favorite thing. So what do you mean? What did he share that you think is crossing a line? I, I, I wish I had written down some specific examples, but I think it was just like his stories were about like when he was in high school. Um, not like the sadder moments where, you know, we cued the no- emotional music and all of that, but just, um, I mean, it could be like the thing with the payphone, like, Right. There was okay. just like a lot of times where I was like, stop, 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 stop. You're not getting through. Um, it, it just like little things that he would describe. Mm-hmm. I felt I was like, you should have stopped 18 words ago. Sure. If he had stopped 18 words ago, though, would the... Well, there wouldn't be a show. The Right. I was going to say, and the impact of them having to go to a, to a reunion. I almost said prom. Not prom. To a reunion with him. Would that have been lessened? Probably. You got to have some level of creep factor. Yeah. So, oh, well, and this is something that I felt like was creepy. He offers to pay Mary Jo to go with him to his high school reunion and then says he'll pay her more if she says they had sex. Yeah. That's pretty creepy. That's pretty creepy. 
and it was, I think, a, uh, like a flash forward. What's the word I'm thinking of? A almost like a premonition of what was going to come later oh, um, at the reunion with some of the things he said about the women. A- absolutely. So plan B was to kill himself. <laughs> so he's also manipulative. And it was almost hard to take that funny because that's, that's really funny. <laughs> it's not. Not the way you said it was very funny. <laughs> plan B, kill himself. Yeah, I don't know how serious he was with that. Like how important is a 15th reunion? And that's the other thing, too. I mean, this is so egocentric. Can I flip all that on its head and give you the opposite side of that? Where I felt like they were striking the wrong, right, excuse me, the right tone. Mm. Is this idea of, like, um, everyone deserves to feel special at some point. Sure. So I I thought that that I got on board with. And when they were saying some of those things and having those conversations, like, I, I got that. Because I imagine there are a lot of, a lot of people who just they spend every day flying under the radar, mm-hmm. head down, just getting by. Especially in high school, in middle school, those are awkward times, really for everyone. But they're obviously more awkward for some. Uh, and so I, I I I get that aspect, and I see like I can see why someone who had a rough time in high school would want to go back. And show them, no, no, see who I can really be. I can pay women to be my dates, pay them more if they say they had sex with me. So that very premise, to me, is, like, pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Because the whole thing is, is, like, I I mean, I guess to someone, the idea of taking four women to your high school reunion could be impressive Mm -hmm. but I feel more like the idea is one of two things if you were really with four women unless you were part of a very special community you are going to be looked at as it being very taboo and I just think people would think it's weird Mm. okay and you've already gone through high school with people thinking you're weird so you're not accomplishing anything mm-hmm. on the other hand the more likely scenario is they think they're for sex workers right and yes you are probably proving that you had enough money to pay for sex workers and that is a type of achievement yes but it wasn't that wasn't his story at all and no. wasn't it the lady's idea for all four of them to go like because they, he just wanted Mary. He Joe just wanted Mary Joe. He didn't want all four of them. So what were they thinking? It seems like a Charlene idea. <laughs> it does, doesn't and, it? But you know why? And not because I think my mind goes to the worst places, and I think Charlene's good, and her yeah. mind goes to the best places. Four women must be better than one. But <laughs> every you time, no one at the the well, they only showed him really talking to, um, having a substantive conversation with that one guy. Uh, I want to say Kevin. That might not be right. Oh, yeah. I have it written down later. Something latrine. Yes. <laughs> That's um, Latrell. Right. The, he only has one substantive substantive conversation with that guy. And that guy doesn't seem to judge him weirdly for the four women, but he does assume like he's paid for them or something. There's just not really any other normal. What else would you assume? Yeah. So I, this, this raised an interesting point to me, shifting gears completely, Mm -hmm. but about reunions in general Yes. and like, has, has how much they mattered changed? I think tremendously. Cause this is a huge deal to him. This is enormous deal to him that these people 15 years later think he's successful. 
Um, I did not go to my 10-year high school reunion. We did not have a 15-year. And I probably won't be going to my 20-year reunion. I thought the 15-year was weird. I felt like they were trying to make for his age or something. But I will say my father-in-law just went to his, like, 40th high school reunion or something. And they do them, I feel like, on off years. I feel like they've gotten more frequent as they've gotten older. Well, I can tell you for my... So I did go to my 10th. Um, I got dragged by my friends, honestly, because I don't... They they wore me down, and I went because and I, they were like on a planning committee and uh, yep, uh, wow. which actually doesn't really fit their personalities at all. Mm. So, um, but I think they just thought, well, I'm gonna be involved. I want to be involved all the way. Yeah. So, um, to make sure that I like where we go and I like what we do and all of that, this was fine. I think now even getting closer to 10 additional years later she says as she passes out on her floor uh one thing that i'll note is that they're already starting to put ours together into multiple years your classes of graduating years okay mm-hmm. yeah I've, I've seen this because so few people Want to are go. interested in going because we're like children of social media so i feel like my entire adulthood has lived out on facebook so, I know more about people from high school than I know about anybody else on the planet. My husband and I had this conversation recently. It's probably just me talking. But one of my sort of like uh, watching my daughter start school, one of the realizations I had is that I never actually knew the people I went to high school with. Like the, I didn't know. I mean, I had like really close friends, but for the most part, 90% of them, I didn't know who their grandparents were. I didn't know what they were dealing with at home. I didn't know what their chores were. I didn't know, you know, if they um, had a close family, had a, you know, not so close family, if their parents were divorced, if the parents, I didn't know any of that for 95% of the people I went to school with. Mm -hmm. So like all of those deep things that I know about the friends that I treasure and like the people that I feel the most comfortable with, I know all that stuff. Sure. And so it's weird to me to go back in time 20 years to people I already didn't know very well and then go and put my life on display for them in some kind of way. Oh, you're making it sound terrible. It's, well, that's what I saw with ha- poor Howard. Like, these men had no idea what he did for a living. Yeah. All they knew about him was a very small sliver of his entire life. It turns out maybe Howard is as weird as they thought he was. But they only knew a tiny sliver of his life. And they didn't even know, like, the stuff that made him tick. And so he feels this compulsion to go back and impress them. I, it's weird. I've given you a lot to respond well, to. Well, because I think one of the things I'm thinking about is like, okay, but take off your millennial hat and just use your elder hat. Mm. Okay. I mean, you do remember like watching things about high school reunions or anything about high school reunions where you, no, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> no about. I'm so talking about. young. I've seen Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. But, yes. So the like, definitive work it'll, on reunions. <laughs> It will, it's like this thing that was like this pop culture, like woven into pop culture moments like that movie or like I don't, any show you watch would have some sort of high school reunion like back in the 90s. Like this was like a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I think is because we, the collective we, love an ugly duckling story. Yeah, oh, sure. So I think that there, this idea of the shy girl coming back and she's a 
runway model now, or the star quarterback comes back and he's pudgy and balding. But you see all that now on social media. It's true. So you don't need any of that I in real life. I already know what's happened to you. You know what's happened to me. Well, I think that was the fun, though, is there was a surprise. You didn't really know it was going to, or like, what if you came back and someone was famous? You know? What if you come back and no one knows who you are, which is my greater fear? Like, I've looked yeah. at my yearbook picture, my senior yearbook picture. I like to believe I don't look the same. I like to believe that that white eyeliner was really setting yeah. me up. <laughs> so I do wonder, like, what have you come back? I have looked through my yearbook and seen signatures and inscriptions that I don't remember. Like, inside jokes, mm-hmm. I don't remember. And I just fear, like, I show up and either fear I don't the remember. the Nikki. <laughs> I think I'm just not going to be invited to my reunion is what I think is going to happen here. I, I mean, I don't know. It was, so I will tell you that for me, it was, um, it was fun, like seeing who they really were versus what I was seeing on social media. Cause I think oh. some of that came through Yeah, and like some people, I mean, it genuinely was nice. Like some of the people who I, I was friends with, but in an acquaintance kind of way, I don't know, just to kind of, or to, for me, it was nice to see that some people were succeeding. What did you talk about? Uh, what, what we're doing. It what have you been up to for 10 years? Start at the beginning. And it was sort of depend. I also got to hide behind my friends when I wanted to. Mm. So I was very selective. Mm. And then I feel like, um, because that kind of conversation is difficult for me. That's what I was thinking. That just seems horrible. Where do you even start? And that, well, but you know that you've had people in your life before that you can talk and it's like, no time ever passed. Yeah. So I, I like to think I still talk to those people. I think right, and for me, I but I had a healthy amount of friends that I'm. I feel like I'm unusual in that. Mm-hmm. Like I still have nine best girlfriends that I went to school with at some point in time. It's in some point in high school or middle school, and some people in even in elementary school. See, there's like zero chance then you could get me to a reunion because I already know the people I want to talk to. Yeah. Well, I'm not trying to talk you into it. <laughs> not going. I'm not going. So you're not going to win. Only if I get to go with Howard. Do we want to talk about the fact that this was Howard's 15th? Oh, uh, Do I look as old as Howard? We're past our 15th. That's what I'm asking. That's my question. Tell me I don't look like Howard. I don't. It To me, one thing I've noticed this whole time in watching something from the 80s is that I think people are more youthful now than they've ever been. I agree with that. I don't know if it's the clothes, skin cream. (laughs) <laughs> we're just all moisturizing more now, <laughs> but just in general, or the fact that like, maybe I associate some of the ways they dress. Cause my mom was a mom then with like, you know, dressing like a mom. Right. But it just, it feels like on the whole, we tend to look younger now yeah. than our eighties counterparts. <laughs> so thank God for that. Yes. We want to talk about things we liked about this episode? Because honestly, I, I can't tell if you liked it or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did have one more stray observation. Oh, yeah. And it's that Julia and Suzanne only got a cola at the reunion to drink. And I have to tell you two things. Well, one, they should have just called it a Coke. Thing number two is, though, I would have needed something so much stronger than a cola at any reunion. But especially in that situation, you know, that 
also stood out to me. And then also just saying cola, like the whole thing. I'm like, cola. I just, I kind of thought that they would have at least gotten like a wine or something. Something. Yeah. Champagne. Uh, sorry. And I had one last oh, stray. Stray away. The box that cheers to the ladies that Howard creates for them at the end. It was ahead of its time. Maybe Howard really is an amazing inventor because now we have greeting cards that cheer to you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a horrible idea. It was Charlene's. <laughs> That's right. It wasn't his. Good point. <laughs> um, but I, speaking of things we love, I do love the idea. You touched on this a minute ago. Howard getting his moment in the sun. Getting to be the cool guy for just a minute. Mm-hmm. A very brief moment before the ladies call him out on it. That part where Mary Jo said, he has a very exciting job. He's changing the face of tomorrow. What do you do, Doug? <laughs> Doug. <laughs> Doug. That's what it was. name. I thought that was so great. Yeah, I thought in the, in the beginning, we'll save what the other part for what I didn't like. But yes, in that very beginning part where he hadn't lost his ever living mind, he just went from zero to sixty, didn't he? Ego, man, ego is a hard thing for people to control. What else did you like? Um, I liked so my likes get a little stray too. Um, I liked in the scene where they're trying to figure out who Howard is. Who is Howard oh, anyway? Uh-huh. Why is Howard? I don't think Julia what even knew Howard? by the end. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, I loved that when he called Sugar Bakers, Suzanne immediately believed it was her he was into. With oh, like zero proof to that effect. Like, yeah. I don't even think they had a conversation on the cruise ship. But she 100% believed that. And that was peak Suzanne, which I appreciate. Uh, and then the last thing I liked. <laughs> they're strays, I'm telling you what. Uh, the Sweet Tea and TV podcastism at the very beginning of the episode. Oh, with yeah. the newspaper magazines, newspaper, you know, magazines, <laughs> well, whatever. We, we weren't sure. We were trying to figure it out. Yeah, I think, can we just tell, can we tell them? I don't think we can tell them. We can't tell them? No. We can't tell them anything. Nope. All right, bye guys. <laughs> uh, so it's in the cold open mm-hmm. and uh, Charlene talks Julia into calling a magazine's editorial board regarding an article they wrote about the South being much improved much improved now that since more people who live there are neither born nor educated there. I just need everyone to know (laughs) that Nikki and I did everything short of going down to the library (laughs) and getting out. What's the thing called? (laughs) The, um, Yep, that. Microfish. Yeah, the microfish. And trying to find this darn article. I had. Not possible. I zeroed in on the front of the magazine cover. Oh. I did an alarming number of Galileo searches through my library. 1987, 1986, August, because that's the specific date she mentioned. It was it was a real research project that came to nothing. <laughs> nothing. But there were all of these really good Southern tidbits. So, like, I'm so I'm so glad that you brought it up because I hate to lose out on talking about it at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, first of all, how did that hit you then saying that it's improved here now that people who live here aren't born or educated here? It feels very much like something someone from the North would say. Today. Yes. <laughs> yes. It feels like or something... The West. So anywhere that's not the South, and I say that because I say that acknowledging that I have my own regional biases. Like yeah. we talked, I think it was our 
maybe our last episode or two episodes ago about like where in the country, where else you would want to live. And you talked about the Northeast and I made these like sweeping generalizations about that area. So we all do it. Sure. This one was just a bit more pointed. <laughs> so it's just a little mean. A little more personal. Uh, but it feels like something people would say about the South. Uh, so, so you're just like, eh, that's fine. Whatever. Um, that's what our podcast is about. The only, I will only add on to this because the first, I, I mean, I was hot. Not in the good way. Oh, really? Not in the good, awesome way. The first time I heard it, like, I mean, not, but I was just like, ugh, rude. And then I thought about it. And what I will say is that while I feel like a lot of times, and the whole reason we're sitting here right now is that we get pooped on. Mm -hmm. I also feel like there is nothing wrong with an area being more diverse. Sure. And having more perspectives. Right. Um, so I can see all of that being true, but like you could do it and not be an a-hole about it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, um, whether people realize it or not, it's very condescending. It was a little, um, so in doing all of our research, I ended up down a rabbit hole on the presidential election of 1988, I guess it would have been. <laughs> And so in 1987, when this episode aired, um, they would have been talking about like primaries and things like that. Mm -hmm. So most of the coverage, if you just like search South 1987, most of the coverage, this is where I think this news article was coming from, was how the South is going to be, you know, a big um, driver of this entire election. So it's a major focal point for the election. And so the education, the enlightenment, the political style, religion, all of these issues of the South are now particularly relevant to the rest of the nation because they could sway the presidential election. Mm -hmm. And I was, I did this article, if it's completely invented, which to, as far as we can tell, must have been, it had to have been based on something because there was quite a bit that was written in this tone in the New York Times in Washington Post, like these very reputable newspapers didn't stray far from this general tone. Right. And I, and so maybe she was trying to encapsulate it all in one, because I think I told you, I told you all fair that it was Tempo magazine that she was looking in, but Mm -hmm. from everything I could find that was an Indonesian news Mm -hmm. magazine. So Mm -hmm. it's possible that they also have an opinion on Southerners. (laughs) wasn't great. Um, <laughs> but I couldn't find anything there. I mean, I checked the New Yorker. Um, we both checked Newsweek and Time. And anyways, we, <laughs> we found nothing. I often can't find things and it's never a problem. Uh, I like that in the, it's, while we're still on this in particular, I do think that what Mary Jo said is right. Just again, this idea and hearing it come out in this show People thinking you're stupid because you have an accent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really think that's import- an important part of this. I think that is a, a definite point of confusion. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, I myself have tried to cover my own accent before. And I know that. But I also know it's because I have been judged before. Mm-hmm. And I know what happens in that scenario. So it's better to try and store my y'alls away and just tighten it up as much as someone like I can. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> and, uh, and just try and move on. But I think the point is really important. And it's not true. Uh, what hicks are, they talk about that. Yeah. 
Mary Jo has a line that made me laugh. Uh, she described it as somebody who lives on a rural highway that has a sign out in their front yard that says VCR rentals and live bait. <laughs> what a time capsule. <laughs> and then I did write down Julia's message and I thought we could just share that. Okay. So, yes, this is Julia Sugarbaker from Atlanta. You know, the one that burned. We've rebuilt since the war, and it's actually quite pleasant down here. Some of us are even managing to hold down jobs and find our way home at night, in spite of being born and educated here. <laughs> she she did not take that one lightly. That's right, but don't put me out in the dark. <laughs> I may not be able to find my way home. But it has nothing to do with you being Southern. No, it just has something to do with me not being able to read maps. <laughs> Did you have other things that you liked? Um, let's see. Oh, when Mary Jo is talking about going through that awkward stage, you know, seventh grade when you're all teeth and ears. And Suzanne <laughs> says, no. And Mary Jo goes, how about teeth and knockers? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Which I believe is a reference. <laughs> oh, you know what? I actually had that on my list. For your bingo card? Yes. Yes, I think that counts. So get your bingo cards out. That absolutely counts as a preference. Um, let's see. Just that I like Charlene's story. I mean, I didn't like it. It was sad, but it moved mm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, it when they, good. Yeah, because everybody else's was about someone else. Oh. And that kind of stood out to me. Oh. But Charlene's was about her. Yeah. Um, and something that she went through. And uh, it's so odd because you think Charlene would be like everybody would love her because she's just so nice. But they do love her. No, not in high school they didn't. No, it was just that somebody was calling her poor. I know. Do you, do you tell people that you love they're poor? No. <laughs> I would never say anything like that to anybody. That's but what I, I'm saying. I think, but she went to another school too. Hmm. It was it was somebody's cousin that came to the dance and she called her out from that dress being from a consignment shop. Right. B word. She's just a savvy shopper. <laughs> <laughs> She's eco-friendly. Uh, um, oh, and you mentioned this one earlier. You mentioned what Mary Jo said afterwards to Doug, but I just wanted to say that I also really liked that she called him Doug Latrine instead yeah. of Doug Latrell. Latrill. It was quick thinking. It's Latrill. Uh, so things we didn't like. I wasn't really sure where to put this, but just the way that Howard took advantage of the situation at the reunion, insinuating to people that he was sleeping with all of them. Like that was, but that's like not necessarily something I didn't like about the episode. It's just like, to me, that was like this thing that I I just couldn't get past. I wrote, I do hate when the guy you're cheering for turns a little bad. I don't like that. (laughs) What? (laughs) That just doesn't do it for me. So then there's this, as they're dragging him out, <laughs> and it is past one o'clock in the morning. I, they said that, and I was like, my God. And Julia's in her 40s. I am 36 right now, and I can tell you right now, it's someone else's high school reunion, and all I've had is cola. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to be like, I will murder you if you don't get me out of here. But, so this is the thing. As they're dragging him, he goes, oh, I love it. I love it. See you in 10 years. Oh, here we go. Head them up. Move them out. Rawhide. Yippee. Nerds for president. What <laughs> the hell? Well, it left an impression for his classmates, I'm sure. They'll be looking forward to that next, that next reunion. See how many women he brings with him next time. 
just all nerds for president? What's happening? What is happening, Selena? What is happening? For a long time, I like to think that it was only nerds for president. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, I want a nerd as my president, for starters. Sure. But anyways, I just thought that was such a weird thing to say <laughs> after all of that. I was like, what? He was having his moment. It went straight to his head. What else did you not like? That Howard was 15 years. That Howard's younger than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say 15 years younger than me. That's not right. I hate that Howard's younger than I am. I hate it that everybody's younger than me. I just, everybody. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, in general, the whole setup, the emotional manipulation points d- uh, didn't do much for me. But I thought an ep- a reunion episode was fine. I liked bringing back um, Howard from the cruise ship episode. That's funny. But I didn't, we'll get to ratings. <laughs> we'll go into my ratings. With that in mind. out a way to work that in the podcast <laughs> anyways are you ready to rate this sucker then i am what you got my rating scale is editor croissants i didn't work that fully out but early on julia says why not have an editor for breakfast yeah i well, it wasn't my best work but i was aiming for something it's i cute. went with three it's my middle of the road i was fine it was fine i need like every you were clip. worried that you were going to spoil that i need every I need clips of every time this season I've been like, it's fine. It's fine. Um, no, I mean, like, I like the idea of a reunion. To your point, like, I've seen all the movies about reunions. They show up on TV shows all the time. Um, so I like a good reunion episode. I thought this one was a weird one. Like, why couldn't we get Charlene's reunion episode? Or um, Suzanne going to a reunion? Like, I feel like there's more. You look like you have something to say. I think we will get another reunion. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I'll have more than a three editor croissant rating for that one. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for that one, actually. But, um, I gave it 2.87. <laughs> You're getting so much more specific with your ratings. <laughs> Out of five teary-eyed manipulations. <laughs> so, um, now I want to be out of rawhides. <laughs> oh, that would have been Woo! good. Oh, that would have been good. Missed opportunity. I, I, th- I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I just, I mean, I, I think I would have, maybe it's realistic that he just had a total ego trip at the end, but I think it would have been if we just, like, reined his character in a little more, where, like, I wasn't, like, feeling halfway creeped out from mm. the very beginning, mm-hmm. because he did, like, track her down in the first place, then there's the whole thing about trying to pay her. He met her once for, like, two days on a cruise. It's just hard for me to get past all that. So much. Right. And and really enjoy it. Yeah. And then, like, there's, like, three, not even three minutes of this reunion where you're like, yeah. Right. And then suddenly you're like, no. Right? Yeah. And so for that reason, it's it's just hard for me to be excited about it. Yeah. Uh, so, eh combination of either 80s southern or references we need to talk about i don't have any combos me neither 80s things paying for long distance phone calls charlene offered to pay julia to call the new york city editors oh yeah i'll pay for the calls uh a reference to top gun look at you and pay phone calls nice i didn't have any of those oh perfect what do you have i just have one thing oh trans am 
Oh, did they mention Trans Am? I think I think maybe he got a Trans Am to okay. go in or something. Obviously, they were made before the eighties, and they were made a little bit after the eighties. But it just feels like a like that a, would have been an uncomfortable ride for all of them. Maybe they rode on the hood. <laughs> maybe I don't know. that's much more comfortable. <laughs> well, it's about at the same level of absurdity. <laughs> so, and you got to get that good eighties hair poof. Um. So Southern Things? I put the combination store that you mentioned on here, the VCR rental and live bait. Yeah. And this yeah. is based on a real life story. So probably okay. not exclusively Southern. However, I once visited a lovely town in South Georgia with a friend, her hometown, and the movie rental place had a tanning bed in the back. Oh. So you'd go get your movie and get your tan. Yeah. It's a real thing. I would much rather see the tanning bed than the um, 18 and older. Yes. And then right. like a guy walking in there with a Okay. We don't well, need we don't need I'm the pic- just... the mental picture of Howard. So but doesn't it mean But what I'm saying is, aren't you excited about the tanning bed? I wasn't bothered by the tanning oh. bed. It's just the combo store situation. Right, right. And we got a four oh four phone number. Which is the Atlanta that's area code. Too. That's very exciting. Very, very that's people a deep are cut. really proud of four oh four now. It's I because th- that was the original. The original. Yeah. So yeah, for people who don't know that's it. That's all. <laughs> Remember when you didn't have to put so area that, codes in? The reason I think that one made it on my list is because you didn't used to have to do area codes, as I understand it, from my elder brethren. Oh, right, right, right. I, I don't mean, know anything about no, that. No, no, no. Um, but so she really would have had to have done some kind of deep dive work to make sure she had the appropriate area code. Sure, she wasn't Googling. Yeah. Uh, so I think that... I, I appreciated that like research, that commitment to detail. I liked it. Oh. That's a good dividing line. I lived in the pre-area code <laughs> It really wasn't that long ago. I think, I think it switched over in like 98 or 99. That's really not that long ago. Not in the history of the world. It's really though. not. We're Only closer. to the eyes of someone who's 25. That's true. Uh, so yeah, I think the only other thing that in that whole conversation that they had in the cold open, Dukes of Hazard gets brought up uh, again. And then just the idea that we're talking about Hicks again. Right. Um, which is something that we've talked about before. Uh, references that you needed to look up or you want to talk about? Julia said toward the end of the reunion that um, they had given Howard the ego that ate Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that's based on... Let me... Okay. Short version is I have no answer to this. I'm oh, no. positing something. Okay. I felt like it was based on something. So I spent some time Google, Googling like the ego that ate. It just feels like maybe it's a science fiction movie or like a... I right. such but it's a probably specific... not an ego though that ate it. If, if it were science fiction, else. that's true. But it was just so specific. Mm-hmm. It was just such a specific play. On play. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was weird. Uh, I didn't find anything except like a punk rock band from the 2010s. So I'm guessing that wasn't... What was the name of the band? That the ego be... that ate the world. Oh. Which is like a saying, yeah? I mean, it's not I like don't the know. most popular saying. I googled it and I didn't find anything. I've never heard that saying. I, it definitely rang a certain way for me when I heard it too. So if y'all know, tell us. Yes, please let me know. Because it's, it's going to keep me awake at night. You can't have two things that you couldn't find. What do you mean? Not being able to find the article or this. Oh, that's true. I was going to say, this is the only reference I had to look up other than the article. <laughs> Uh, time in my life I'll never get back mine was the name of the episode also a play on words 
because how it, how, yep oh have you seen this movie a million times shut i've up. seen it recently Nuh-uh. yes you're one of the cult followers how you've never seen howard the duck with no. leah thompson Mm-mm. really Mm-mm. Oh. i had a friend growing up that loved it oh and i didn't i didn't even know what it was oh. until like i think it uh it probably was like in eighth grade or something when she told me about it and like i remember her describing it to me and i went Nah, I'm good. It's not a great movie. It's like an 80s... But it's m- great in its badness. Ah. Uh, well, so my sister it, loved Nikki. it. My <laughs> sister loved it. It's actually based on a Marvel character. Yeah. Um, a, a comic book character. Mm-hmm. And he shows up in the Avengers movies. Um, but yeah, he is this... He does? Yeah, in like the um, extra scenes at the uh, end of the first one, I think. Uh, okay. With the collector. Oh. Um, so he is an alien. He's a mm-hmm. duck. And from he, a duck planet. From right? a duck planet. Yeah, of course. Where else would he come from? Well, for people who may not get that. People know <laughs> if he's a duck, he's coming from a duck planet. Oh, my bad. Um, a duck alien comes from a duck alien planet. But anyway, he comes to Earth and he meets Leah Thompson, who is an aspiring rock star. And they go on misadventures. Yeah. That's really it. Right. It's So it was produced by George Lucas. Mm-hmm. That kind of surprised me, actually. It's not like him to have a dud. In fact, I read somewhere. No one said it was a dud. No, it absolutely was a dud. No one said it was a dud. No, I've everyone it. said it was a dud. I've seen it. Well, like money-wise. <laughs> it was my sister's favorite movie con- for a period of time. I read that it's considered one of the worst movies of all time. It is. That's but it unfair. does have a cult following. Well, so... It also ha- the Howard the Duck theme song is amazing. It just gets stuck in your head. It's going to be stuck in my head for three days now. I guess I'll have to Howard look it up. But I'm kind of scared to now. Um, well, but I mean, look, there's lots of movies I like that weren't exactly killing it at the box office. And also that doesn't always mean that they're good. So I definitely think that's true. Hmm. But what I was going to say is related to George Lucas is he was going to use that to pay like back pay, I think for like something that something else. Hmm. Maybe it was like the next set of Star Wars movies that Mm. he was trying to do. Anyways, he was like. This was going to be the thing that paid off these other debts or something. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So that didn't work out so much, and I think it put some of that work behind. Mm. So I thought that was kind of a a sad but an interesting story. Mm. Cut lines? I just had one substantial one. Okay. Um, And only substantial in length. Uh, No, substantial in length and also, I think, because it sort of set the stage a little bit for what was happening. So, anyway, Howard calls Sugar Bakers between Charlene putting him in a hold because, quote, personnel has expanded, which I just thought was such a funny excuse, Mm -hmm. and Julia asking, like, who is he anyway? Um, I think... Uh, I think Charlene says, oh, no, I'm getting tired of y'all referring all your phone calls to me. Or maybe it's the other way Julia says it. Somebody says, oh, all right, I'll talk to him. He wasn't that bad. Howard, I'm sorry to keep you waiting so long. Uh, Mary Jo went home. Sick. Sick. Well, I don't know when she'll be back in again. Somebody whispers, never. She says, maybe never. She looked real bad. Our address? Well, why, Howard? And then she says, like, call me a psychic, but I get the distinct impression he's coming over. And then Mary Jo invents this whole excuse for where she, like, why she's not there. Mm-hmm. She's going to go do the original telework. She's going to go work from home and work on her sketches. That's mm-hmm. where they can find her once Howard has left. And I bring that up and spend this much time replaying <laughs> that scene that many of us will never see. Only because I feel like it, it's, again, that thing that sort of 
illustrates the story a little more clearly. It explains a little bit more where Howard was coming from, how that all came together. Mary Jo trying to get out of there because she was trying to like put her jacket on and like it just explained a couple things to me. Okay, you know, that makes sense. Well, he also says, I think if we want to take out some of that creepy factor, it explains the fact his parents still live there. Yeah. So there's some there's some ties still to home. It's not like he's coming from, like, well, he is coming from a different state. But, like, he's not, like, he doesn't not have a home base there. He doesn't it's not, not totally have... random. Yeah. Yeah. It's still creepy, but a little less creepy. Uh, and that, that was it. I think there was another smaller, more irrelevant cut, but... Yeah, I had that one and another one. Same same deal. So. Is that it? That's it. Okay, next episode. Episode 12. I'll be home for Christmas. A Christmas episode. Because we didn't get one in season one. We did not. And we'll get to record that one during the Christmas season. But it won't air until after the Christmas season. But it'll be Christmas for us. It'll be exciting. So we'd love everyone to follow along with us and engage. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. Um, our email address is sweetteatvpod at gmail.com. And our website is www.sweetteatv.com. And we got extra sugar coming up. What are we talking about this week? Salina? Just crap. Just the stuff. We, we, well, we've had a couple of extra sugars in a row that were a little heavy. So we're going to lighten it up. Would you call it breeze shooting? Yeah, we'll breeze shoot. Let's, let's breeze shoot. I like it. Well, you know what that means. What does it mean? We'll see you around the bend. Okay, I'm over here laughing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I missed my cue. Was I supposed to start? No. Oh, okay. Uh, welcome to this week's edition of Extra Sugar. Oh, <laughs> guys, don't get the benefit of my terrible face that goes along with I that. I was going to say, I wish that I got a video of that so we could share it with him. Just your eyes rolling back in your head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what to say now. Um... So we had this, we, I had this grand plan that we were going to break down this article and we were going to just storm the gates of everything terrible that's ever happened to Southerners. <laughs> yeah. So A, laughable. B, I just, we couldn't. We couldn't we find couldn't the darn find article. It. We Here tried. We are. So we had two heavy episode extra sugars behind us. And you know what? Let's light talk. Let's light talk. I like that. Is, that. is that a word? You say light talk. I say shoot, shoot the breeze, breeze shoot. So we, but we did prepare. We have our Excel sheets, yeah. our PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> we came up with a list of free talk today. <laughs> so Nikki, would you just tell us something that you're enjoying? We, I know we both came in with different lists, but start wherever you want and tell us like, what's something in life? That you're enjoying right now. I have actually not been watching very much TV lately. I only get like two opportunities a day to watch TV. One for like an hour in the morning. First thing 
like five when I'm sipping coffee and trying to wake up. And then right before I go to bed, like 30 minutes before I fall asleep. And usually I just rewatch King of Queens or lately it's been Everybody Loves Raymond just to kind of like help me fall asleep or whatever. Uh, or Gilmore Girls. Yep. But I've not been doing that lately. Lately, I've been reading more because one of our like after school activities while Kyle's finishing his meetings, I'll take the kids somewhere and go do something. So we've been going to the library a lot more frequently recently. So I'll just get a book every time I go. Mm -hmm. So I started reading earlier this year, Kate Morton. She is an Australian author and she writes the most like immersive historical fiction, like these wild, they're very big books, very Mm -hmm. thick, very like intricate detailed stories about, yes, it's like World War II. Okay. And like completely immersive. And they're all about that same time period. Like, 30s, 40s era. Was any of this coinciding with the World War II episode that we had? No. no. I okay. started listen, reading these books. Um, I think I started with The Clock Watcher's Daughter. Um, and it's sort of like a... Um, yeah, I've heard of that. I, it's so hard to explain. But I started with that one. It's just very intricate. All these stories sort of interweave and come together. There was another one that I read that was about a house. I think it was... Oh, no, it was The Clock Watcher's Daughter, where it's like there's a house involved and it's sort of like a haunting thing, Um, like a ghost is involved. I started with that one and I just fell in love with the way she writes. Like it's just um, her way with words is amazing. The way she sets the scene, like I think I've explained before when I uh, read Harry Potter in my head, I could draw the entire movie in my head reading the book because it's so demonstrative, like the words just like set the whole scene. That's the way Kate is. So this year I've read like a handful of her books. And then I think I've pretty much read all of her books that are available. So I got on like my library's website just to reserve something. So next time the kids and I went, I would get something. And Anne of Green Gables of all books popped up. Hey. I'm telling you after our whole conversation. Yeah, I thought, didn't you read a little bit of it already? I have. Okay. That's, I'm currently reading it. Okay. I'm almost finished. It's a very light read. Um, sure. But it's kind of long, actually, for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just this little girl that gets into all this little, um, she comes to live with this family and she's sort of adopted by this family, but she has the worst luck in the world and she has all these little scrapes here and there. Mm-hmm. And so it's every single chapter is another of like Anne's misadventures. It is very wholesome. Um, it yes. was written, was it written in the early 1900s? I think so. It's super wholesome. Montgomery it's adorable. author, I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's adorable. It's a very cute book, so I'm almost done with that one. So I've been doing a lot of reading. You hadn't met Gilbert last time. No. So she has mentioned him. She calls him, like, she starts every sentence about school. She's like, well, I can't do that because then get, I mean, my classmates, well, whatever, whatever. So I think she's trying to hide that she has a crush on him. Right. So we still haven't gotten into the crush part of it. Okay. Oh, well, that's so exciting. It's it's very cute. So I've been reading a lot more like that. And the Kate Morton books take a really long time. Mm -hmm. But interestingly, this Anne of Green Gables book has taken a very long time. And not because it's hard to get through. It's just long. Well, and sometimes it's just, it's hard to explain with books. But like, they just... Different books require different paces or like sometimes if I am in um, a reading mode, sometimes I'll get in bed. I can only get through like five pages. Yeah. Um. So my book choice this time was honestly, I'm, I haven't read books in a long time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, my house is covered in them. I love them. I love libraries. Um, there's nothing better than the smell of like, 
books and an old library. Former library worker can attest. Yes, it's the best. It's it's grand. Yeah. Um, you know, my thing is that normally I just don't have the patience for anything more than like a long form article. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and because our work requires, I feel like a lot of reading, more mm-hmm. reading than most places. I'm usually just, I just feel exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, the last thing I want to do is like have to train my eyes on something. But lately I decided that I was really going to, you know, double down in my efforts to watch a little less TV oh, uh-huh. um, and just get back into um, the passion that I used to have for reading and the passion that I used to have specifically for reading books. And so I started with the most god-awful hard book that anybody could ever start with, um, which is War on Peace, The End of Diplomacy and the Decline of American Influence uh, by Ronan Farrow. <laughs> I wanted to get educated on Afghanistan. Mm. I decided that I ju- it just felt like something that um, I needed to have a little bit more knowledge about. And I don't know if a part of it was, um, it is, definitely is. A, a couple things happened all at once. I heard Ronan Farrow in a couple of different places. This is also the guy who did the Catch and Kill podcast. Um, and uh, also, he well, he did, he did the podcast that turned into a show that's all these different things that... Um, you know, has been so instrumental, like in recent history with like Me Too and everything. But uh, he's like a, he's a wonder kid. <laughs> I feel stupid when I say that word, <laughs> but he really is. He's like a few years younger than us. And he was working at the State Department when he was like 20. So seeing him in these different places and, and, and seeing the kinds of things that he was doing, I was so impressed with him on the different interviews I've heard him take part in. And I was like, this is somebody I feel like I would trust on this topic. Um, and I, I have watched the, uh, like a 9-11 documentary that had come out uh, right around 9-11 this year because it was the 20th anniversary. And it focused a lot about Afghanistan in the beginning and how that, uh, you know, connects into what happens with 9-11. And I just wanted to know more. So I read it. It took me like three months to read it. I bet. I basically was like, I need a dictionary next to this book. So I was going to say, I feel like Ronan Farrow's work is something that I, I need someone else to pull the quotes out for me. <laughs> like I need, I need you to give. A long form article is actually hard for me to follow. I don't really have the attention span for that. Oh, yeah. Books well, are long. easier. Books are easier because they have sort of the, the flow that it's leading to something. Articles are long. I feel like I don't know when it's going to end. I'm not really <laughs> sure what it's about. So I need people to pull it out Why for me. Why is it this long? <laughs> It's so long. Is this really still an article? I think we're at novella length. Yeah, I, I definitely understand um, that too. Um, I was starting to say, I really like a blurb. I do. That is I, right my way I could out. have read like the inside book cover and been just fine on that one. Well, I can give you a one word summary. Okay. Uh-oh. Oh. So there you go. <laughs> That could go a million different directions, but yeah. I think, you know, it's not great. <laughs> so that's mine. And War then, and uh-oh do not go hand in hand. Well, have I ever told you about Philippa Gregory before, the author? She's the one who did, like, a lot of her stuff has gone on. It's it's way more commercial because the other Boleyn girl was made into a oh, movie. Uh-huh. Um, the Spanish princess got picked up to be a television show. The white princess and the white queen also got picked up to be television shows. Um but she is a, it's like historic fiction, but it is 
very steeped in the real things that happen, but it's more of like a feminist turn and you get the perspectives that you don't normally get. And she's very methodical and thorough. Like I had read about her process and I don't even know how you get a hold of this stuff, but it like she took weather patterns. And so if it talks about a weather, the weather on a certain day, she's tracked it back to know like, yeah, it was blustery, you know, whatever. And so, um, I always thought that that was really impressive. So I, anyways, it excited me to hear about, um, the books that you're reading and, and, and I want to check those out. Yeah, you should. They're really good. So do we want to talk about something else that you're enjoying? Something else I'm enjoying. Uh, I've been watching several random Netflix. I'm not watching TV very often, but I have watched several Netflix Christmas specials, movies, okay. situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Love Hard. Did you watch this one? We watched it this weekend. It's cute, right? It was cute. It was, I mean, don't think it's more than it is, but it's cute. It was, yeah. No, I really liked it. I told Kyle, I there is a, a, a situation where she has a food allergy a reaction, mm-hmm. and it, when they showed her face... I gasped out loud. I didn't know what had happened because I, I forgot. I grabbed my chest and I was like, because <gasps> it was terrifying. What was your favorite part? Uh, Sorry, the, I don't mean to. I loved, I loved that part. That part was really funny. Um, I, I kind of liked the end. They did a play on Love Actually. And mm-hmm. I liked it. I knew that was coming. Yeah. Only because they mentioned Love Actually so many times. I'm going to be like, dead honest with you. It mm-hmm. never occurred to me. So one of the running gags in the movie. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> I don't think we're spoiling anything. Oh, that's true. I haven't said anything okay. spoily. Um, one of the running gags in the movie is one person likes Love Actually and one person likes Die Hard. It took me about two days to realize the name was a merging of Love Actually and Die Hard. Oh. Love Hard. It took me a really long time to put that Look together. So I didn't I didn't think Longer. that's what was coming. <laughs> um, but yeah, there you go. Uh, so that was a really cute movie. And then I just finished Father, Father Christmas is back, mm-hmm. which is like a Kelsey Grammer movie. Oh, uh-huh. And it also has um, Elizabeth Hurley. And it took me up two or three watches to get through it because it's, it's long. It's a movie. The way that you said that, like, is it two or three times? Like, I had to watch it two or three times. No, uh-uh. No, I watched, like, 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there. Yeah. Um, and the ending was really cute. Okay. It was really sweet. And that's on Netflix, too. It is Netflix, yeah. So I did want to say that my favorite part of Love Hard um, is, was the rendition of Baby It's Cold Outside that they did. They changed oh, yeah, that was it, cute. and they made it less of problematic. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that was really nice. Yeah. I wonder if that'll wind up getting some real airplay this year. Okay. So TV for me, um, women who kill on Paramount <laughs> Plus. <laughs> We're going to put our personalities on full What is display. your life? What is, what happens in your world? <laughs> okay. So first of I'm all, like, I've been reading Anne of Green Gables and watching Christmas movies. (laughs) I'm reading about the Afghanistan war. (laughs) And death. And murder is what it sounds like. Well, I said our full personalities are on display. So the whole reason I even heard about this show is that show Yellowstone came back and Casey and I got into that. And we thought that's the app that it was on. Oh, Paramount. Yeah, Paramount Plus, but it's but it's not. But when we got on there, I saw this is a really interesting story. Um, but anyways, when I got on there, I saw an advertisement for Women Who Kill, and I was like, hmm. And I wound up like very quickly binging both of the seasons. Um, so season one follows women in the same house, but in three different time periods: sixty three, 
84, and 2019. And in every case, you know someone dies, but you don't know who. And that sort of unfolds in the house over the course of the season. Um, it's not real. No, no, no. Okay, so it's not like a crime documentary. No, I think okay. it's, I think it's to turn some like female stereotypes on their heads and and other things. But like Lucy Liu was in it. Um, Jennifer Goodwin was in it. Uh, so a couple of other really familiar faces, but I can't think of their names, so I'm not going to put you through that. But just to say, I was super engrossed in it. And then season two, it's a completely different plot. All mm. new characters. It's set in, which I really like it when shows are doing that now, that more anthology approach. But it's like two different women in 1949, one who appears to have it all and the other who would do anything to belong. And Howard, it was amazing. Oh. Um, and I just really enjoyed it. So if you're looking for something and you happen to have Paramount Plus, mm. <laughs> knock yourself out. It's good. <laughs> she can tell you what's not on Paramount Plus too, if you're curious. <laughs> that's, that's true. We also canceled it, by the way. That's why I binged it so fast. Oh, sure. It's because I started watching that and then I had told Casey as soon as Yellowstone went on, I was like, what are we paying for this for? Yeah. And he came home and he was like, I canceled that. It's going to be gone in three days. And I was like, uh-oh. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Gotta hurry. Um, so I, the second thing that I just watched, I actually mentioned in the Designing Women play recap that we did, but I wanted to give it another shout out for a couple of reasons. One, because it's so flipping good. American Crime Story Impeachment. This is the one that follows everything that happened with President Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. But in this case, I don't, I didn't really talk about this. It really focuses on telling the story through the women's eyes. A lot of the women that were caught up in this or got themselves caught up in this, and I'm not referring to Monica Lewinsky when I say that, they had their story told for them. And if I had to say, like, what's the argument of this show? It's letting the women, the women's story speak for themselves. So like in, in all of these cases, you don't necessarily walk away and go, that Linda Tripp, I sure would like to hang out with her. But you might go and be like, dang, in some of these ways, she got a raw deal. So uh, it focuses in on Lewinsky, uh, Linda Tripp, Paula Jones, and even Hillary Clinton to some extent. There's some designing women connections. And that was the other reason that in addition to just saying, you guys need to watch the show. It's really awesome. It's on FX um, to share that. I, I just thought this was really interesting. So we already know that LBT and Harry Thomason are close friends with the Clintons. That's known. Um, and funnily, there's a few Easter eggs throughout the show. Hmm. So in real life and in the show, Paula Jones, in case anybody doesn't know, sues President Clinton for sexual harassment years before he was president. Uh in the show, when Paula and her husband, Steve, who's an aspiring actor or who was at the time, meet with a lawyer, in addition to an apology from Clinton, they want a role on designing women for Steve. Oh, that's funny. And that's called out specifically. So I start doing some digging and people like really deep, deeply analyze the show because it's pulling on real life. And you've seen these articles, what's real, what's fake. Um, and I don't know if there's anything in modern history that's been pulled apart as much as Clinton Lewinsky. And so 
The opinions are mixed over whether this is true or not, but some people think it, it's possible that something in this light was true. But two things that I thought were really interesting that were related. In 2001, Paula Jones gets married again, and she gets married in that historic little rock home that is what's supposed to be sugar bakers. Oh, that's weird. Right. So one of the articles I found mentioned that, and I was like, okay, someone is a Designing Women fan. That's so weird. Okay, so it's not just me. No. I, I was wondering what your reaction was going to be. I, I It was either going to be that or, okay. <laughs> no, that's weird. The second thing is, is that Harry Thomason testified before a grand jury as part of Kenneth Starr's investigation. And obviously, I would not have been tuned into that as a 13-year-old. Wasn't his? Wasn't Kenneth Starr's report like a thousand pages long or something? Harry Thomason's buried somewhere deep in there. I have to tell you that I am so, like, I think because, I mean, you remember all of this happening, right? I remember it being on the news every day, but I wasn't really paying attention. I mean, like I said, we were like 13, so... To me, it was just this thing that I was like, are they ever going to shut up about this? Which I think was actually a lot of people. But also, a lot of people were just eating it up. And, like, it's so weird because this happened is, like, modern the modern world was breaking free. So, in addition to Kenneth Starr's report being, like, a thousand pages long, they decided to automatically, Congress pushed it out on the internet without ever looking at it. Mm-hmm. So, hearing these stories about people being on dial-up and trying to access it, <laughs> or, like, and then, like, just college students at campus, like, scouring all of it, you know, and the news is, like, oral sex was reported in here 17,000 times, and just, like, all this stuff, and you're just, like, oh, my gosh, this world is so weird, and this was the beginning of it. Yeah, we're so focused on weird details. So there's a podcast called Slow Burn, Mm -hmm. and one season was all about the Clinton situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was the first time, and I listened to it maybe two years ago, maybe a year. It had to have been two years ago. It was the first time that I have ever really thought about Monica Lewinsky, aside from the narrative that was sold to us as kids of that, like the little bit we picked up. You took away one very specific narrative about the type of person that she was. Right. And to hear a little bit more about her side of the story and then to your point to pick apart what actually happened through the lens of now realizing like, oh, power dynamics are a real thing we can actually talk about. And it's not something we're just supposed to accept as part of our life. It's not that thing you teach your daughter about. Um, as something to look out for. It's a real thing we're allowed to call out and say as a problem. That was that podcast was probably the first time I've really thought about that. And the first time I, and this was before she started sort of her circuit um, in recent years to kind of reclaim her narrative. Um, so it's a sad story. It's very sad and also fascinating. And there's something about, like when we talk about this part of designing women, we were so little that I can't be really be like, 87, man. What a what year. A year. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do that. But 98? Yeah. I mean, I was a fully formed human being, you know. So, except for the fact that the old brain wasn't developed all the way. Um, it's just weird because your perspective as a child is so, so very different. And, I mean, I can remember, like, exactly where I was in some of these really famous moments where, like, Bill Clinton is like, no, I did not have sex with that woman. Or no, the next time I did like, not apologizing. have sexual relations with that woman. Do you know who wrote those remarks? Linda Thomason? Harry. Really? 
That, I think that's what was claimed oh. in this article. So oh. I will, I will link to this article okay. so that people can see. So all of this testimony, I believe, is given because the Kenneth that Star report went on, or like that investigation went on for about four years or something like that. Very long time. And so I think that um, all of that happened before anything came out that actually they did have a sexual relationship. So. I'll leave it there. We'll let y'all read the articles and you can decide. <laughs> so, anything else you're enjoying? Just life. Life in general. Taylor Swift has a new album out. This will date this episode recording very badly, but Red just came out. It is one of her greatest achievements as an album, just in general, like in the Taylor Swift dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, but her, again, talking about reclaiming power and reclaiming her record and re recording it under her you know criteria and situation it's just impressive so it's been really fun Uh, that was one of my favorite albums when it came out so it's been fun to get to relive it nine years later or whatever and we've had all kinds of fun stuff come out so been listening to that one on repeat yeah there's i don't i think um the amount of publicity i can't imagine looking at those metrics yeah it's been wild she um yeah, she was on SNL this last weekend. She was on both of the late night or two of the late night shows. I don't even know how many there are anymore. Um, and she, she's, yeah, people are talking about this album like it's brand new, which is great for her. Sure. Well, let's get her some money. Let's, I know she needs it. She does. It's not about the money, people. This it is good. It's not about the money, but if she wants to give us some. That would be delightful. Or just like. Just like tweet about us just once. I know. I need someone just to make sure Taylor knows I'm a big fan. Because one of the things that's going around, like her family is very big into handpicking people. So she did a screening of, she just released all too well the 10 minute version. She did a screening of a short video, a short film she put together, like a music video almost. Mm -hmm. They handpicked the fans that were invited to it. And I have this sneaking suspicion that they're those people that just go wild on social media. And that's just not my vibe. Um, But I am absolutely a true fan. My daughter listens to Taylor Swift when she's in her room in quiet time and sings along to the songs. So it's like I'm raising the next generation of Taylor Swift fans, which I think maybe elevates me. I hope so. So I need someone to share this with her. Yeah. I I have no shame. Except I won't go on social media and make videos about myself. But you will put it on a podcast. I absolutely will. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, so the last thing that I wanted to share real quickly that I'm enjoying was actually at your recommendation. Oh. So you suggested that I go to Rushing Trade Co. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this is a, a local eatery in Sugar Hill. And I just wanted to give them a shout out because it was awesome. It was good, right? It was so good. So they were really busy when we walked in. Oh. So I'm going to tell you plainly that we walked in, saw how busy it was. And we were like, you want to just get like a coffee and go? Yeah. As we're standing at the counter to do that. A board goes by, like a charcuterie board, Mm -hmm. with the two fluffiest, most beautiful biscuits that that I have ever seen. Mm -hmm. And Casey and I looked at each other and we went, we'll take a table. We'll just stay. Yeah. So we actually sat at the bar, which was nice um, because we were tucked in behind the espresso machines. I don't like to sit there and like be looking people dead in the eye because I don't know what to do. so it's perfect because we didn't have to wait. Um, we didn't have to stare at people and then stare back. Uh, it was or them feel like they're in a fishbowl, right. like we're staring at them, and it's just that we have nowhere else to put our eyes. Um, but he got like a just a a white 
chocolate mocha latte. That thing was so good. Really good? I'm not even, that's not, <laughs> so basic. <laughs> Anyways, I am not even, you know me, I drink my coffee black. Mm -hmm. But that was delicious. Um, we did wind up, it was a breakfast charcuterie board. Mm. <laughs> and it was awesome. And um, we also, I wound up getting like a caprese salad and a roasted tomato soup and when they brought it out they were like we'll be back with your your mini biscuit that comes with the soup and I was like mini biscuit and it came out and it was a perfectly formed biscuit the size of the palm of my hand it was so cute I have I did immediately send Nikki a picture um and I have never been so happy I was still talking about that biscuit like the whole day I was like did you see that biscuit <laughs> I loved it. But the thing I wanted to share the most uh, before we, I don't know, go act like we have to go somewhere tomorrow, um, is that I was very impressed by their backstory. And I wanted to ask you before I say more, did you did you look into that when you were reading their menu or anything? A little bit. Okay. So um, <laughs> quiz time. I know. Just please kidding. don't ask me. I'm not. So it was opened by a mom and daughter duo, first of all kudos for that um but the reason I think it's so interesting is because I guess the daughter winds up training as a barista in New York and Italy so to the top of this episode and you talking about having a lot of mm. uh, an occupation that you really it's is true. your favorite there you it's go true. and then she does a school project and based on that school project that was to start like a coffee cart business they start a coffee cart that's really successful, and then now they have two restaurants, um, and I just think that's so neat. That's very cool. Yeah. That's um, a cool story. Yeah. So anyways, if you uh, are someone who lives north of Atlanta um, or anywhere around the Atlanta area and you want to go to Sugar Hills Rushing Trade Company, I can't say enough good things about it, and well, Nikki recommended it to me. It was me. good. Yeah. It's delicious. It's right in downtown Sugar Hill. Incidentally, it's going to be right near the ice rink, the skating rink, when they get that ready go to go again this fall, this winter. What season are we in? Whatever. When the skating rink is there, oh, it'll be okay. right next door to it. It's a cute little town. It is. Um, yeah. It's when I think of Sugar Hill, I think because of Sugar Hill Diner. Oh, that's yeah. the area I thought it was going to wind up being. In. Oh, yeah. So uh, none of this means anything to anybody. Except if you don't Nikki live in Sugar Hill. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, it's very cute, very lovely, and so I thought I'd just give them a plug. Um, and so yeah, guys, we're enjoying some stuff. <laughs> Life is good. We hope you're enjoying some stuff too. And that's this week's edition of Extra Sugar.